yo, yo, it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. Man, am I excited about my guest today. Let me tell you about it, that just about every journey coach, or at least every journey coach that has seen this man present is a fan. It is helping our coaches to be better coaches, just to listen to his presentation, listen to his podcast, read his book. Nick Winkleman is my guest today. He has written the book, The Language of Coaching. He is the head of athletic performance and science for the Irish Rugby Football Union. He's overseeing all important aspects of performance for the four national teams. But today, what I think he's going to be talking to you about is just how you, maybe as a fitness enthusiast, or how we as coaches can really help to motivate people with the language that we use so that they can overcome that idea of giving up and actually get through a set, get through an exercise, get through all the workouts that it takes to be successful. I can't wait for Nick to share his knowledge bombs with you. Nick, welcome to the show. Travis, well, man, it's my it's my pleasure. I mean, listen, I'm glad I didn't have that cup of coffee tonight because you, you got me rolling ready. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, Nick, our coaches, man, they had the pleasure of watching you perform better twice now. Um, they watched you once, I think it was last December, and then most recently over the summer. I think we had some coaches out um, at another conference, too, that saw you, and everybody came back raving about your session. And why I think that your session is so important for our audience is because it's really important how we kind of tap into that internal knowing of, of what we're doing and why we're doing it in order to actually enjoy the exercise, in, or, in order to really want to do it and do it enough to get to where we want to go. So, uh, you know, Nick, maybe we could start off talking a little bit about, you know, why you do what you do and how you kind of tapped into this uh, this knowledge that you're sharing with everyone. Yeah, I mean, God, there, there's, right, overcomers. O overcoming for me is, is all about a journey. And, and I won't sit here and pretend that my journey, hopefully at least, is, is anywhere near its end. But, you know, along the way, I have found, like many people do, things that just stand out to me as being really important in my own practice as, as an individual, you know, as someone who engages in fitness and exercise in life, but also as, as a coach and a coach of coaches. And the, the, the snippet that's really stood out for me is this idea around the inner space of our mind and ultimately how it determines our movement, our performance, our learning, our commitment. And, you know, you'd hear euphemisms like, oh, they're an overthinker or they don't listen or they don't know how to learn. And oftentimes in the strength and conditioning world, which I operate in, that's directed at athletes. And for me, that never sit really well because I'm like, well, hold on. If the athlete's wrong, I'm wrong. And by that, I mean, I'm obviously not utilizing a method, communication or otherwise, to connect with them and through them to this thing I'm teaching. So we can get into the specifics, but in simple terms, I became 
obsessed in a very healthy way with this intersection between what a coach says, how they say it, when they say it, how much they say, and ultimately the impact that has on the athlete, on the exerciser's ability to process, apply their movement, to move better. Recognizing that so often we can say too much, too little, say it at the wrong time or the wrong way, but be none the wiser. Because oftentimes as coaches, as long as it sounds good to us, as long as it makes sense to us, we assume that we're giving the right information in the right way at the right time. But if we wake up, look up, and excuse my language, shut up at times and actually watch the echo of our impact or the lack of our impact, we'll realize that, wow, did they hear me? Did they understand me? Is it making a difference? How am I systematically taking their internal journey and helping them align that with the external realization of it? That's better movement and ultimately the pursuit of goals. Mm, that is so good. That is so good. And I love the ownership, right? You know, rather than blaming the client, blaming the athlete, it's like, you know, what am I not doing? And that is really, uh, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today, because I think that too often I've sat in my seat and, uh, you know, as a coach and I brought on a new client and uh, the new client and I are so excited and the client leaves the office with this plan. Okay. You know, my, my diet's dialed in. And if I make it to three workouts a week and I'm going to get to my goal just in time for summer and I'm going to love my life. And, you know, maybe that goal is like a six month process, but then, you know, within a month or so they're, they're ready to give up on themselves. And I, and I take that ownership. I say, you know, what is it that wasn't communicated well enough from that coaching aspect to keep that fire lit, you know? Uh, so the question I would ask you is, is there a mix of language that coaches should be using in a session? You know, maybe if you would buckets of the way that they're going to communicate the exercises so that clients really get it and really want to do it. Right? Yeah. So already, Travis, you have highlighted very clearly categorically, that there are different types of communication we use fluidly, interchangeably, and in a very dependent way in a coaching session. And let me just highlight those, and then we can maybe start to, to peel back on your question. When I'm engaging with you as my client, generally speaking, if we zoom in to the context of a training session, I'm going to be utilizing two large forms of communication, okay? Form number one, we can generally call interpersonal communication. How I'm engaging with Travis as a person who shares this rock pummeling through the universe with me, right? One-to-one, -one, not Travis the client and Nick the coach, but people-to-people, -people, right? That's interpersonal communication. And Hiding within interpersonal communication is the way you show up and the way I show up as your coach and the way that when we collide together, we can either fuel your fire or we can suffocate it. And it's a Venn diagram. Both of us have to contribute, right? Both of us can positively and negatively influence that. And so it's a dance, right? So that's one category of communication. 
The other category of communication is the business end of why you and I are sharing a space. And that is you are here for very specific physical goals that ultimately relate to you and your life goals. And so in the context of what we do in the fitness sector, I generally call that your ability to communicate movement. How can I offer language, instruction, feedback, and cues to you in a way that lowers the barrier to understanding this movement, leads to better performance in the moment, better enjoyment in the moment, and that that echoes into the future such that you've actually learned the movement. And what I call, you got yourself some OTC. The client has owned the change, which means not only are they squatting better at journey fitness, right? But they're squatting better when they're on their journey up the mountain that weekend with their family, right? National Geographic style, they don't need Travis there watching them, cueing them to move better. They own the change. And so ultimately, these two forms of communication, interpersonal, connecting with you as a person, movement communication, connecting with you as an embodied movement system that thinks and feels and is aware and has biases and judgments and, and preconceived notions and backgrounds and memories and likes and dislikes, and understand that I have these two forms and that they interact with each other um, and in a combined sense will determine whether the person has a great experience and whether through that great experience, they actually can learn, perform, move better and achieve their goals. And so I said a bit there, you asked a very specific question around movement communication. Now that I've kind of given some definitions, well, let me kind of create some space for you to jump back in if anything in there you want to highlight. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, so when it comes to interpersonal, you yeah. know, I think too often uh, as a coach, uh, you know, we, we often make the mistake of having the same personality for everybody, you know, not taking time to really feel the situation. Um, do you have any tips for coaches when it comes to interpersonal communication to help that particular client. And I love the way that the two working together, interpersonal, and then of course the business end of things, create an experience. Because I truly believe, I don't know about you, but I'm buying an experience. I'm buying an experience for sure. You know, I'm not buying the business. I'm not buying the what. I'm buying like, did I feel good going there? And do yeah. I want to keep going there, right? So I think that it's important uh, that we discuss how you would advise coaches to connect with the different personality styles that there are out there in the world. Yeah. So <laughs> I pause because there's so much to this, Travis, as you know. I mean, I think the self-help space is, you know, whatever it is, a, a multi-billion uh, dollar industry. And, and all of it is, is kind of getting to this same thing, right? How do I get the most out of myself in so far as my own journey? But Without fail, that journey requires our interaction and influence and being influenced by others. You know, life is about relationships and how we interact. And so when we start to look at this, there's many different ways to, to attack this. But let me give you a recent anecdote. I had an opportunity to interview uh, a gal by the name of Emer Noon. Now, why is Emer Noon important? Well, Emer Noon is from Ireland, specifically from just outside of Galway. 
and she represents 1% of women who are international conductors. And in 2020, she became the first female ever to conduct the orchestra at the Oscars. Unbelievable force of nature, wow. this woman. And so I had the humbled opportunity to share a stage with her, interview her at our recent performance summit here for, for Irish rugby, literally just a week ago. And you can imagine, Emer stands in front of 100 to 150 musicians. If there's a choir, there might be another 100 to 150 singers, right? So upwards of two to 300 individuals. And with her, her she likes to call it a stick. She found, finds the word baton too pretentious, which just tells you how great she is as a person. She can't use any words, right? So she has to conduct purely with her energy and her nonverbal. She needs to listen and connect. But she told us a story. She's like, in rehearsal, though, I can use words. I might only have two to three hours meeting these people for the first time before we do a big concert. And she's like, it is paramount for me that when I go in, and this is, this is the key, I go in as a blank canvas. I go in without judgment. I go in without preconceived notion. I go in without any assessment or prediction of who is there, what they will or will not be like. And she shares a story where she could tell during one of these rehearsals that I think it was someone from the lead violin section, and let's just say for the lack of uh, uh, my, my memory here, the lead uh, percussion section. So two of the main leads in two of the different instrumental areas of the orchestra. And she could tell when they got to a certain part of the, uh, of the score, of the music, there was tension between the way these two elements were harmonizing. Now, she said she could have easily jumped in there, but she didn't. She paused. And after the fact, she sought to understand. She asked a question. And as it turns out, the two leads of those areas were going through a divorce. And so in that case, right, there was something unknown influencing the known, the music that they were seeing there. Now, why does that matter? When we meet a person for the first time or we're meeting someone for the hundredth time, we never know what is behind those eyes. We never know what is going on. We never know what they have been through who they are, their background, their likes, their dislikes. So take my personality aside. Listening doesn't take personality, Travis. Mm. Listening doesn't take personality. And so the ability to step into a space, whether I've known you for years or I'm meeting you for the first time, and take this energy of, of, of emptiness which is this projection of compassion, compassion. I see you, I hear you, and listen from a place of emptiness without judgment, without prediction, without preconceived notion. And allow when I'm engaging you questions and your answers to fill that space such that I get to know who you are, what you are about. And insofar as coaching and communication is concerned, that then allows me to sample from your language locker. I get to see how you verbalize your world. 
such that you can then allow me to step in there with you. Mm. And this is where, if I can give a final anecdote, interpersonal and movement communication come together. The more I get to know you, the more I invite you to be a part of your own journey, the more I stand by your side versus in front of you, metaphorically speaking, I can then start to sample your language locker. I can sample your narrative. And ultimately, I can use your words, your notes, your colors, your memories, your preferences as a means to then communicate these novel things, an RDL, a squat, or even the buy-in of motivation and staying committed. We each speak our own language, even though it comes maybe from the same uh, language itself, grammatically speaking, but I need to learn to speak yours. And that only comes from a blank slate, a blank canvas, powerful listening, and listening doesn't take personality. Wow. Nick, that was beautiful. Like, I mean, I'm a fan of, uh, you know, poetry and, and just depth and appreciation. And I feel like you just painted an awesome picture. I, I love the story of Ember Noon, like conducting with energy, yes. right? Like, I, I believe that energy is contagious. Uh, you know, I... I always ask our coaches to be two energy levels above their group so that people will either rise or fall to their level of energy. And I hope we're not bringing the energy of the room down. So she's conducting. However, she's a blank canvas. And in that sense, you're saying that she's listening. You know, she's kind of observing the energies of the room. I don't have any preconceived ideas of what they're supposed to be. And then when she discovers an issue, you know, you said that she sought to understand Stephen Covey, you know, seek first to understand and be understood. Seven habits of highly successful people, you know, great book. Um, sought to understand. And so how is the unknown influencing the known? Like this is, this is really, really good. So in coaching, uh, you know, coaching 101, right? We all get our certifications and we're taught things like uh, uh, soap notes. Take your soap notes, subject, observation, assessment, and plan, right? So just like a bar of soap. Um are you suggesting that maybe one of the most important soap notes that a coach can take in order to cross that intersection of interpersonal into the business to where the person owns the movement and had a great experience is that soap note is what is this person's energy today? You know, where's it coming from? Um, and if you are suggesting that, let me make this two part. If you are suggesting that, how would you, just like, you know, just like a coach might for the physical thing say, hey, any issues today, any knee, hip, shoulder, back, anything I should be aware of. Like, how would you suggest that that coach goes on that journey of discovery the same way that Emmer Noon did just by sensing the energy of the room and saying, oh, percussion's having a uh, little issue and so is the violin section. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it starts by knowing about your own energy. Because mm -hmm. as you say, rightly so, energy within fractions of a second is contagious. It, it can map on, it can project on. And that dynamic, and that's again why that blank canvas concept. And it doesn't mean that we are muted. I can still show up in physical body and I can project compassion. I can project presence. I can project a readiness, right? We sense an individual's presence. And so I, what I would say is it's very important going into a session 
to take a check, an inventory of your energy, of your presence, to make sure you are in that blank canvas, yet compassion openness position to engage your client and meet them where they're at day in, day out. And interestingly enough, let's stick with her. Emer Noon had another recommendation on this. And from here, she pulls from Taoist philosophy. And so she talked about the idea of Shen. So I think we have Jing, Qi, and Shen. And so Jing for most individuals is, it's the analogy is a candle. So it's the physical wax of the candle. It's, it's the body, right? So how you nurture it with good nutrition and physical um, expression, right? That's, that's one's jing. Qi then, right, is your energy, is your mindset. Now, I might be getting this slightly wrong, so forgive me if I am, but the analogy is to the light of the candle, right? So you can imagine the light that, that we are, our mind-body relationship our inner energy that we sense, that we can tap into. But this is the beauty. The Shen, S-H-E-N, is the light given off by the candle. And so that's what is then transmitted out into the world. And so we talked about this idea of being a blank canvas, but then through that being aware of your Shen, being aware of your energy. And, and within our world, our clients have to feel that they are stepping into a safe space to be themselves. And so if they're having a good day, their Shen might be really bright. If they're having a bad day, their Shen might be very, very dim. But for us, we have to seek out consistency in the way we show up for them. Otherwise, we're going to be inadvertently turning up or turning down, working in a contrasting energy to what that client might need on that day. So for example, sometimes a client does need an energy boost. And to that end, we are going to project that to, to lift them up. In other days, as they oftentimes say, that bright siding of things, making things seem better than they are, actually can devalue what that person is feeling inside. As if to say, hey, look at me. I have high energy. Why don't you? Mm. But maybe on that day, it needs to be a lower energy session. Maybe something just happened at home, right, that needs to be validated by that shared space that this person voluntarily steps into a few times a week. And so this is where the blank canvas comes in. Travis, how are we doing today? How are we feeling? Oh, I'm okay, right? Hey, what's going on? Anything you want to discuss before we get into the session, right? And so being able to have that versus, hey, now, Travis, I see that energy's down, but we're going to get you right today. Come on in. And for some, that might work. But for others, that might make them feel invisible because they just signaled, hey, I need someone to ask me how I'm doing. I need someone to be there for me. And so you and I in this podcast cannot give a script. There is no blueprint to this. But it starts with, I need to truly see, hear, and understand the Shen you're giving off, which means I need to make sure I'm aware of where my default is coming into that session. And ultimately, that clear awareness of myself 
and thus my capacity to become aware and understand the person in front of me allows me to know how do I turn up or turn down the shen, the energy, the light I'm giving to you before we kick into that session. And just to cap that out, I think every good coach does this in some form or fashion. I meet you as a person first, check in, understand body, mind, how are you doing? Continue to enrich in that interpersonal relationship we have. And then from there, once I feel I have what I need to know, you have what you needed to share, we can then pivot into movement communication. Okay, Travis, we've got these three things we're going to be focusing on today. Here's the layout. How does that sound? Any questions? No, let's get after it. And so it's then this nice dance between interpersonal meeting you as where you're at and movement communication back, forth, back, forth. Recognizing, again, I'm going to say it because I think it's worth re-mentioning, that the better I know you as a person and how you see, understand, and verbalize the world you exist in, the better I can take your language, your narratives, your memories, and your preferences, and package that up in the way I give cues, feedback, and instruction, a bit of laughter, a bit of motivation, and how I'm teaching you these things that you say you want so desperately. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Well, let me ask you this, because I, I do apply this in my own life. For our listeners, Overcomer Nation, we're going to talk about how to get your shen together. <laughs> I love it. I feel like for me, I'm constantly pouring into myself because I'm a franchisor who leads who leads franchisees. And if I'm not investing in my own learning, then you know I'm not a good leader. Also, you know, if I don't start my day with at least like a little bit of like a gratitude, then I'm not in a positive space. Preferably, I've started with gratitude and movement, you know, like what advice would you give to people? that want to show up with a good shen, an adaptable shen, right? You know, I mean, you don't need to be a 10. If your client's a two, you might need to come down a little bit. And, and I just love how listening doesn't take personality. Like just be there for them, right? Just be who they need in that moment. But um, what do you think are the right uh, rituals, routines, uh, so that, you know, you, you got the right kind of shen for clients? You know, what should a good coach be doing? Yeah. Okay. So a couple things. One, I think the right rituals are the ones that that work for you. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the ones that work for you. Uh, but categorically, I, I do believe that we have features that we need to continue to nurture. And again, I think our candle metaphor suits here. In that, how are you taking care of the body? How are you taking care of the mind? I think for many individuals, they start to realize that there is this element of mind that starts to get into what we might call your spirit, which in this case, we might call our, our, our shen, this thing that we can feel but not describe. It was Michael Polanyi, a philosopher and physicist. He said this. It's one of my favorite quotes. I know more than I can tell. I know more than I can tell, which is to say, I know more about me in this world than I can verbalize. Mm -hmm. And when we step into the wordless world, when we dissolve categories and labels and the fixation or the fixed mindedness that can come with the limitations of human language, 
we realize and we feel that there is so much more. So for me, how are you enriching the body, the vessel, the vehicle, the mind, right? The, the, the logic, the rationality, the, the access to emotion, to awareness, to consciousness, and then the spirit, the part of you that connects to something unexplainable, bigger than yourself. And let me be very clear, for some people, that's through routes of religion. For others, it's, it's not. But nonetheless, it's connecting to the unknown that nonetheless feels very real, even though we don't have the words for it. So there it is, Jing, Qi, and Shen, body, mind, and spirit. And I believe very much, we say that person is spirited for a reason. And oftentimes when we say that person is spirited or that person has spirit, we're pointing to their Shen, we're pointing to the energy they give off. And I think very much so that is housed in this connection piece to, to what we might call spirit or spirituality. And so for me, body can take place in many forms. You know, for me, uh, over COVID, I did a lot of cold water sea swimming. I then got into a lot more hiking. I then got into a lot more cycling. I found myself leaving the gym and trying to engage in, let's say, more naturalistic movement practices. Um, but at the same time, I find the gym to be an unbelievable home for me. I abandoned, though, a while back what I thought um, I, I needed versus what I knew I needed. And what I mean by that is I started getting into running and doing all these different things that betrayed my body and how it responds. And I got back into what I love, which is a bit more heavy strength, bodybuilding oriented work. And again, different things for different people, but having a physical practice. Mm -hmm. But the key word there, Travis, is practice. And not practice in the sense that I'm trying to learn, even though that naturally happens, but a practice being synonymous with a ritual, something that I can consistently do and enjoy and is a part of the larger practice of my life. Mm -hmm. From there then, mind. Some people are naturally very self-aware and they almost live in this introspective, mindful, self-aware state. Beautiful. Other people are not. And so what are you doing to organize your mental locker? What are you doing to reduce the cognitive pollution, the noise? You know, why, I, I read a quote the other day. Why is it that I remember all the things I need to do only when I go to bed at night, right? So if you are one of those individuals who cannot find peace at the pillow, what are you doing to organize, bring about awareness and constructive versus destructive introspection in the mind? For me, it's mindfulness, and mindfulness can come through physical walking, sitting on the pillow in various forms, guided versus not. And through that, it can be meta, so loving kindness, gratitude rituals, and various other mental frames that help you start to inspect the nature, the character, and the contents of mind. And then ultimately, through that practice, I think you start to find something that is centering, that brings you back to, let's say, the spirit. And oftentimes, I feel the spiritual connection can come through things like being with nature, being with oneself, meditating being with one's children. There's, there's no one way 
to attack that. But what is your practice for dealing with the big questions, right? The big unknowns. That's, if you will, the mechanism by which you bring and engage with the spirit that is you knowing it or not. And so for me, I, I cover the three. I won't lie to you, Travis, and say every morning at 5 a.m. I do this, that, or the other. But if you were to follow me over the course of the week, you'd see a lot of exercise. You'd see a lot of mindfulness. And I'm trying to bring that even to when I'm in the kitchen, when I'm cooking, right? So if you're riding along inside the mind, and for me, ultimately, it comes down to this. I am trying to engage in physical practices that allow me to be utterly present in the moment, to be conscious and aware of thought, of action, of other, and their interplay. And we've all heard it. Stay in the moment. Stay in the moment. Smell the roses. You know what? Easy to say and a lifetime of difficulty to achieve. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend for anybody that it is easy because that's the ultimate practice to be here now, truly be here now. And everything around you is in pursuit of that. That's so good. That's so good. You know, some of what you were saying actually reminds me of a little uh, computer lingo. They say garbage in, garbage out, right? So if you want to give good shen to that client in front of you or even that person in front of you, because you don't have to be a coach listening to this to want to show up with good energy. And so it's about having those good practices, you know, for your mind, for your body, for your spirit, you know, those things that allow you to nurture that. So then that way you have something worth giving. Right. You know, and if you see a problem, solve it. Don't just accept that you're somebody that goes to bed and you can't find peace at the pillow. That was a great expression. Peace at the pillow. I love that. Um, So, you know, we've talked a lot about having that type of energy that can connect with a client's energy and and even adapt to that client's energy. Um, Can you give us an example of what it means to really help the client own the movement, the OTC that happens in that bridge between performance and enjoyment you know maybe like a case of where it's going wrong and you know trying to help somebody make it uh, go right so then that way they can really feel like they're getting it so i have one story that is very powerful i find at least simple but unbelievably relatable um that gets at this. And interestingly enough, it's a story that only in hindsight, I was able to connect with all the theory and science our conversation is pointing to. Even though we're, we're, we're talking in a very artistic form here, Travis, we could equally stay on here for another hour and talk about the underpinning science of why all this works and why, why the feel good aspect of what we're talking about has evidence that explains why it feels good. And so here's one of these stories. Um, I had been a trainer for less than a year, okay? And I was working at my college rec center and you'd get people who come in and they'd buy three sessions. It was a three session package and you kind of had three sessions, if you will, to either give them a program that they could take off on their own or they'd stay on and, and train with you. And it was a college rec center. So, I mean, financially speaking, a lot of it was three sessions and then you'd see him around the gym and try to help out. And so I had this, this gentleman come in and we sat down and we went through 
this inventory um, as you do, asking all the questions and trying to build a program for the individual, get to know the goal, smart goals, this, that, and the other. And I asked him what his goal is. And I'll, just, I'll never, I can almost see him right now. And he said, I'm gonna tell you something. My wife and I are divorced. I have a five-year-old son, he lives with his mom, and he has Superman on his wall. He has a poster. My son idolizes Superman. And I was a young, I was a young, you know, early 20s. So I, I conceptually understood what he was going through, but I couldn't connect. I'm 38 now with two kids married. I, I, I can now understand the gravity of what this man was telling me. And he said, I want to be my son's Superman. Mm, so good. Wow. So it wasn't like, I want bigger biceps. I want to look better. I want to be fit. That was it. So uh, we're, 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 I write all this down. Great. Fast forward. We're in our first session. Maybe it was our second. I don't know. And he's doing a, a two-arm, one-leg dumbbell RDL. Okay. So we know single-leg RDL, hip hinge one of the most difficult things to, to achieve for a client. And so he's all over the place, Travis. He's, he's all over the place and none of the cue. I'm, I'm sure I was saying chest up, back straight, this, that, and the other. And it just, it hit me. So after the second set, I said, listen, I want you to imagine, like, as you're coming down, you're like Superman, okay? Going off the building, nice and long, head to heel, reaching out to, to, to get Lois Lane, who's falling. I'm thinking of the original Superman now. Yeah. And, he, and he looked at me, grabbed those dumbbells, and his, his eyes started to well up with tears. Just right there at the fringe of a tear rolling down, but you could see the glimmer in his eye. And just whack, 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 nails it. Yeah. And I remember even, I get chills telling that story because I'm like, that right there. That right there is what it is about. In that moment, I connected with that person as a person to the depths of everything he held dear. And I was able to bring that through this physical movement practice that connected him to a process of becoming this metaphorical Superman he wanted to be for his son. In that moment, it wasn't an RDL. Right, it was connecting mind, body, and heart to what he wanted. And so, for every listener, whether they be the client or the coach, and I'm not saying every moment can or should be like that, but that is available to us. And now I've spent a career trying to look in the depths of that interaction to understand how we can do that, not by chance, but by choice. And so that's a perfect example of taking someone's why, their interpersonal reality, and smashing it in to the movement, coaching, learning process they're there for. And you know, ultimately, what I realized with all my work on cueing, which at a superficial level can just say, how do we, how do we give words that help people move better? No. Those words impact the mind, the body, the heart, the emotion. Better coaching ultimately is better connecting. Mm. Not only me to you, but you to you. And that's what happened in that moment. Wow. Wow. 
better coaching is better connecting and not just like the coach to the client, but you to yourself, right? You know, it doesn't matter who you are listening to this. There it is, you know, tap into it, tap into the why that you're doing something because there's your driver, there's your motivator, there's the thing that can that can change and, and keep you on the positive change, the, the train called change. Oh, uh, so good. Uh, Nick, I thank you for being so generous with our audience and for being such a great mentor to our coaches at Journey. Uh, you are really somebody that they love listening to and uh, you've just brought so much value to our team. So thank you for that. Uh, how can people get more of you? Like, let's talk about where to buy the book or where to follow you. you know? <laughs> So yeah, the language of coaching, it's it's up on Amazon. So I think that's probably the best place for, for most. And otherwise, if you want the musings, uh, I'm 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 not disciplined on social media, but I'm 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 present there. Uh at McWinkleman, Instagram, Twitter, and the like. And if people want to engage with a lot of the content before they even get the book or afterwards, the language of coaching.com. I have a ton of free resources and, and webinars that cover the full gamut. Uh, of of the book as best anyone can so awesome and uh if you're ever in ireland <laughs> look nick up <laughs> yeah 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 at a pub near you <laughs> at a pub near you that's great nick thank you so much for being on the show today appreciate it thanks travis all the best Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com. Yeah!